Welcome to the Big Hairy Podcast by clean beauty brand The Beauty Works, the podcast that explores hair and the meaningful ways it's linked to identity, culture, ethnicity and gender. I'm Sarah Kaywood and today I'll be joined by Eva Proudman, the chair of the Institute of Trichologists. She's a regular on Hair Talk with Michael Douglas and has recently had a slot on Steph's Pack Lunch. Good diet, good sleep, bit of exercise, that generally keeps the hair happy. We'll also be joined by Tracy Polari, a hair and makeup artist who will be speaking personally from her own experience of hair loss through menopause and how this has affected her career. I have suffered from hair loss for the longest time, which is why I decided to work with long hair because I could never have it. We will also be joined by Fiona Scott, who went grey in her 30s and is now completely white and loving her hair more than ever. Uh, I went grey when I was 38 years old, almost overnight. I can't think of any particular trigger. We'll be talking embracing the grey. Being grey, for me, has just given me more choice around my hair. I used to think, gosh, people are paying to have their hair look like mine <laughs> does naturally. Women empowering women. Can I just say, your hair looks lovely. And I can't believe that you're 60, you look about 45. And the science behind going grey. So the science behind grey hair is ageing cells. So we have a cell in the body called a melanocyte and melanocytes produce melanin. Melanin produces the colour that goes into our hair. This is a brilliant episode that you won't want to miss. Now let's meet these lovely ladies. Welcome Tracy, Eva and Fiona. Welcome to the Big Hairy Podcast. How are you? Really well, really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm chuffed to bits. This one, I literally feel like putting my dressing gown on, lying back, feet up, because this is my comfort zone. It's odd when we were just chatting, doing our um, sound checks just before then. I looked at all three of you and I was like, have I met any of them before? I feel like I've known you all. Have I met any of you before? Because I honestly feel, I don't think I have, have I? No, no, I don't think so. But I, I do listen to you and I do follow you on Instagram and I do follow you Eva as well. Why don't we do a Harry Podcast road trip? Amazing. Well, we'll just, we'll take it on tour. That's what podcasts do. Yeah. Um, so we'll do that. Let's get it off the ground. Let's make it a massive success, which of course it's going to be. Yes. And then we'll tour the yes. fucker. Yes. So ladies, thank you for joining me. We're talking about natural changes on today's episode and all natural changes. But I suppose the biggest one being women hitting midlife and the changes that their hair goes through. Actually, I guess men have it just as hard. So although we're going to be discussing mainly the changes that women have during menopause in their hair, it's actually men, they actually may even have it slightly harder, but I'm not going to feel sorry for them. I'm going to feel slightly sorry for us. Tracy, you worked in the hairdressing industry, so I've got loads of questions I want to ask you. But Fiona, your hair is amazing. We'll have to take a picture and make sure that we get it uploaded on the socials. When did you go grey? Uh, I went grey when I was 38 years old, almost overnight. I can't think of any particular trigger, but the strange thing for me was I grew up with my dad's colouring, so I never thought I would go grey. Mm-hmm. He passed away in his late 50s and he had no grey hair at all. So I assumed I would be like him. Mm-hmm. My mum had very, very dark hair and started going grey in her 20s. So I assumed that I wouldn't be like her. But in actual fact, although I didn't go grey in my 20s, in my 38, I started. And then I had my son at 41 and actually my hair is quite white. I don't know if you can sort of see. Yeah, it looks lovely. Really white at the roots. 
yeah there's some color in it as you can see but mm -hmm. i do that because i get bored easily not because i think i need to have my hair a different color and hide the fact that i'm going gray yeah to play devil's advocate about the color because obviously eva is a trichologist and chase is a hairdresser and i'm sitting here with like baby pink hair it is quite fashionable and has been for a couple of years now to have gray hair you know, there's all those sorts of kind of pastel colours, really. Presumably you went grey before it was trendy? Yeah. I used to think, gosh, people are paying to have their hair look like white <laughs> does naturally. But, you know, I just think it's about women being comfortable the way they want to look with their hair mm -hmm. at whatever time of life they're in. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't like being grey and you want to spend some money, I don't know, being sky blue, pink, that's fine. I actually love it because the thickness of my hair is what I love the most my hair was very fine when I was younger so mm -hmm. I could never have a style like yours there I could never have a wave because it would fall out yeah really quickly I couldn't have a perm so mm -hmm. actually being grey for me is just giving me more choice around my hair okay now Eva you're a trichologist obviously know all about hair why do we go grey in midlife why is that I mean I don't think I know any woman my age and I'm 49, who doesn't have at least some grey in their hair. So what's the science behind it? So the science behind grey hair is ageing cells. So we have a cell in the body called a melanocyte and melanocytes produce melanin. Melanin produces the colour that goes into our hair. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can have multiple colours, sometimes you've got more of the lighter ones, more of the darker ones. As we age, those cells start to fail the less melanin we produce, the less pigmented hair we produce, which is why some people are very salt and pepper because they've got quite a bit of melanin still. There's some people go that beautiful soft white because they haven't got any. And it is genetics. When you go grey early, we call it kanishis, early greying. It's a gene and it generally runs in the family. But I love grey hair. All the different shades of it, the whites, the greys, the sort of golden honeys. It looks amazing. And I love to see it really embraced as well. Eva, why do... OK, you, I might be wrong on this. As far as I'm aware... Well, I think my mum did have a few grey pubes. Sorry, mum. But why don't our eyelashes, eyebrows, pubic hair, why don't they go grey, really? Or do they? I haven't got a grey pube yet. But I'll happily welcome it when it comes. I'm this sorry, ladies. This is that podcast. We're going there. As a trichologist, I stop at the chin. But... <laughs> Not <the laughs> <one of> that. <laughs> don't you have to learn about all kinds of hair? Or... I don't suppose you do, do you? From my extensive research, you do get grey hairs in your eyebrows. You do get grey hairs in your pubes. I haven't got any yet, I don't think. Although without my glasses, I'm not sure. Um... <laughs> Honestly, it's all failing, isn't it, Eva? No eyesight, grey hairs. I love it. If you look at guys particularly, they get a lot of grey chest hair. So other hair sites on the body do age, do go grey, just to different degrees. Eva, apparently you're the ultimate authority on all things hair and hormone related. So you talk to us about why we have changes in the pigmentation, but what do hormones have to do with your hair? I don't know whether Fiona is struggling with this with her lovely thick head of hair, but I am massively struggling with hair loss, menopausal hair loss. I am taking a supplement now, which is really doing the job. Like my hairdresser said the other day, she could see all these baby hairs. I'm getting a little tiny mohawk here. So I didn't think a supplement would actually work. It's always a miracle when it does. But I mean, if we've got enough on our bloody plates with the menopause without losing our hair, what the fuck does that happen to? Exactly. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, out drops the hair. 
it starts really in perimenopause. So it starts well before we hit full-blown menopause. And it's lots of things that come together. And it really annoys me that people are told it's your age, it's the menopause, you've got to put up with bad hair. You haven't. Perimenopause, we get lots of changes. Things like monthly cycles get heavier, longer. We deplete our vitamin and mineral stores. When menopause really starts to hit, the hormones start to fluctuate. And the key things that change are your estrogen drops. And if you've got a slight susceptibility to being sensitive to testosterone, that comes up. So you see two things really in menopausal hair. You'll see this excessive shedding and thinning that drives ladies mad. They're convinced they're going bald because they see so much hair falling out. Mm -hmm. And they notice sort of the mid length to ends. There's just no density in it. And you see these sticky up wiggly hairs everywhere. That's a disruption to the way the hair grows and sheds. And it generally comes down to diet and stored vitamin and mineral levels, which is why supplements can really help. When it's more hormonally led, quite often it's that dreaded female pattern. The center parting gets a bit wider and female pattern, unlike male pattern, sits like an oval on the top of the head and the hair thins out. So the scalp's shouting out and nobody likes seeing their scalp. And that's usually due to the estrogen dipping and the testosterone coming up. The great thing is we can treat both of them really, really well. It's quite rare I see a lady in clinic that's only got one condition. We're quite complicated creatures. Mm -hmm. And regularly I see people with two or three things happening. And you've got to treat them all to get the best result. Guys, I see a lot of guys, they generally have one thing happening and they might have a slightly oily scalp. That's as complicated as guys get. So mm -hmm. our hormones, our vitamin and mineral stores, how our body works, it all kind of works against the hair. Because the hair is the second fastest dividing cell we have in the body, but it's non-essential, it really gets no priority from your general health. So it's always trying to look for itself. When your body's going through that massive change of menopause, your hair's kind of left there as a poor relation. And that's where you can work wonders with it. You can really change somebody's hair, density, texture, Lots of people, especially when they get the shedding, they stop colouring their hair, they stop going to the hairdressers, all the things that make us feel good. And, you know, they'll sit in my clinic and say, look at my chin, I've got more hair on my chin than I've got on my head. And when I say it's fine to colour it, you know, have a good colour done and a cut and go to the hairdressers, they're like, that's amazing and my hair will still grow. Yes, your hair will still grow because this is what we've got, this is how we're going to fix it. And it's really getting that information out to people because they're so unaware that there's so much we can do for the hair because unfortunately most people just see it as cosmetic but actually mm -hmm. emotionally and anxiety wise and mental health wise it's absolutely crucial to how we feel so many ladies will say i got dressed up i put my face on my hair looks crap i feel crap and that's why we can do so much for it. But that's why the menopause is a crunch time because there's underlying vitamins and minerals, there's dietary changes and the hormones and they all sort of come crashing together and we just need a plan to manage them all. And we do, and we do really successfully. Mm -hmm. I want to come back to ask you what things we can do, but because you've touched on the mental health aspect of menopause, I wanted to speak to Fiona and just say, how did you feel when you went grey overnight? Because like I said, it has been about four or five years. It's been really trendy. So you might have been like, yeah, this is epic. But back when it happened to you, that wasn't the case. And so what did you do? Were you 
concerned or, or were you just because also I don't know it's just unknown territory isn't it like if we choose to go to the hairdressers and dye our hair we're choosing to do it we know to expect the change but when it's forced upon you slightly more traumatizing I should think I think initially I just dyed it a lot and bleached it and tried to pretend it wasn't happening but as my hair got grayer and thicker I realised I needed to um, build looking after my hair into my self-care, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, and absolutely. actually spend time going to a good hairdresser, having it done properly. And actually with grey hair, I found finding a good hairstylist really difficult. Because actually, for instance, if you cut my hair too short, it's just going to stand up like a brush. Mm-hmm. Now, I only learned that by having a bad haircut. So find someone who's good and build it into your day. You talked about supplements. I work with a nutritional therapist to help with that as well, because it's not just hair on your head. Mm-hmm. It's hair on your chin, hair on other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially I dyed it, tried to pretend it wasn't happening. And then when I had David when I was 41 and I was tired, I had a newborn at 41 and two other small children. I just thought, you know, I have to accept where I am in my life and embrace who I am. So that's when I started to do more highlighting. And actually, grey works really good with blonde highlights because nobody ever Mm -hmm. can ever see your roots because it grows through nicely. And now I'll use all sorts of different colours. So I've used baby pink and really bright pink, purple, Mm -hmm. blue. Yeah. So Tracy, you're still getting loads of people into the chair. Are you still seeing a lot of people coming in wanting these pastel colours? And also, more to the point, in lockdown... Did you find that a lot of your clients came back and said, I don't want to go back to the colour. I've come this far now. I've got three inch roots that I'm actually going to grow the grey out. Have either of those things happened? First of all, I just need to clarify. I I don't do a lot of general hairdressing now. I specialise in bridal and long hair styling but I do have a few clients and I did see this generally in lockdown people were thinking do you know what I'm just going to go with it and I think I like it do you think you like it my husband likes it I'm, I'm just going to drop the color and uh, yeah and it's a big thing and most of them have carried it through because I think you said earlier Sarah there is a massive trend to go gray or ice steel and blonde with grey tones and it's just a big thing people are paying a lot of money to get that effect as well as the fashion colours the bright fashion colours so yeah and do you have brides that want like I mean I'm not even talking about middle-aged brides but are you finding with your dress hair that people let's say you know you've got a 20 something are you finding that the youngsters are choosing to go grey you might just be going to style the hair but when you get there you're like oh crikey it's like you know Jesus she's 30 and she's rocking this grey colour not naturally I might add no I find in the opposite even the ones that thought they might have wanted to grow their colour out in lockdown would not want that for their wedding day look because it's very specific and you know they're very particular about what they want to look like and colour is is very important because they're spending a lot of money on photographs and they want to feel amazing and colour is just one aspect in fact I will quite often suggest to my brides you know have a little bit of colour because when you see black and white shots it lifts everything just a natural bit of colour can add so much definition but I think going back to the menopause my issue is I have suffered from hair loss for the longest time which is why I decided to work with long hair because I could never have it and it got worse and worse and then you were talking about the menopause and that was the end for me I'd had serious hair loss problems before that and I've never spoken about it never this is the first time I've spoken about it a lot of my brides have really fine hair and I seem to be able to work 
magic with them. Not me, not myself, but on someone else. I know how it behaves. I know the impact it has on people when it's their day when everyone is looking at them. It can be almost disabling for them sometimes. They're just petrified because they don't think anything can be done. So that's my link back into the hair loss and the menopause. I guess I've got it. I understand from the other side of the chair. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing. Because if you, I can't believe you've never talked about it with this. I'm afraid I don't have an unexpressed thought, and it, usually every expressed thought goes on social media as well. So I'm a bit of an open book like that. So I'm always really in awe of people who who are worried about sharing things or don't want to share things, and then do. So we really appreciate that because you sharing that. And making yourself feel vulnerable means, especially now is the time to share it because we've got Eva right there and she she knows she knows what shizzle we can do. And actually you say, it like, so mine looks quite thick at the moment. I put tongs through it today. It is better since I started taking these supplements and we're going to hear from Eva about what else we can do. It's so much better. It stopped falling out. But I do feel your pain because mine is very fine as well and I'm actually pretty good at making it look a bit thicker but it's demoralizing isn't it Tracy it's it makes me sad you know now I've opened up and I've talked about it I'm not scared to say it almost cost me my career in a nutshell in lockdown I had a huge problem with it I mean I I suppose this has been going on for 10 years and the worst time when my hair was was probably perimenopause and I was going through a horrible divorce my brother-in-law had cancer then he died and my divorce became even nastier and both things hit me at the same time as my menopause seemed to start so yeah the menopause that was the end and my confidence started to dip and then when we went into lockdown I couldn't work we couldn't work all the weddings were cancelled I had nothing to do and I also teach I teach bridal hairstyling and I've been very successful and I'm successful as a bridal stylist but in lockdown all of a sudden, everybody was showing up. Everyone was on live, they were making videos and I wouldn't even have a photograph taken. I canceled three brand photo shoots because I knew I would hate all of them because my hair was so bad. I was there in tears watching everybody show up, demonstrating, teaching all the things I know I can do. And I just couldn't, it was like a paralyzed, I can't do it. I bought every bit of equipment, the lights, the camera, and I just froze. I thought, I cannot put myself in front of people because in my head, I didn't look like I thought I was supposed to look. Oh, Tracy, that makes me really sad. No, it's sad. And I'd been on a long hair training course, and I won't mention any names, but a very well, well well-respected stylist actually said, I think you really do need to have long, healthy hair to be able to sell it. I just sank into my chair. It made me doubt my talent, my skills and everything. Not having that. No, Tracy, I'm not having that. Whoever it was is an absolute dickwad. For a start, it's absolutely besides the point. Because, of course, you know about how to style hair. And, you know, you've Mm. got nearly 40 years, sorry, just over 30 uh, years in the business. So I would just say it makes me really sad that that comment impacted so negatively on you. And people are dickheads and it annoys me. Eva, I'm so sad for Tracy. What can we do to help our very fine menopausal hair? Because actually what Tracy was saying about going through a nasty divorce, and correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they also catastrophic things to happen to your hair? Like stress is so bad for your hair, isn't it? Stress plays a huge factor in the health of your hair because stress impacts the whole of your general health. 
and your hair's kind of sitting on the outside. It's not a friend of your essential functions. So when we're stressed and highly stressed, what happens is we produce more of the hormone cortisol. And cortisol is that fight or flight hormone. It helps you to survive, but it doesn't make you thrive. And with cortisol, it doesn't matter how great your diet is, you will take in what you need to function. And the extra stuff the hair needs just isn't there. And if you happen to be going through the menopause as well, you're already depleted in things and the hair's got nothing to hang on to. And I always say in clinic, stress is the most difficult thing to manage. And it drives me insane when I read articles and they all say, be mindful, do yoga, meditate. I'm a real on the go sort of person. I'd rather stick pins in my eyes than sit meditating. <laughs> For me to relieve my stress, I always say to my patients, you need to find that thing that makes you empty your brain. You've spent an hour doing something and you look at the clock and you think, blooming ink, that's an hour gone. That's getting rid of your stress. For me, I take the dogs out. I do some gardening. Mm -hmm. I put disco music on and dust my cupboards. I do weird things that make me energetic. But boy, does that get rid of my stress. Sitting there mm -hmm. humming would make me more stressed. So finding the things that work for you is really, really important. But everything sort of collides in a big crash at menopause. You know, the phrase, you are what you eat, has never been more true for the hair. And the thing the hair needs more than anything else, it needs protein. We've all been told to cut the protein down, eat more plants, don't eat animals, and that's fine. But the amount you have to eat of plants to get the protein you need, it's impossible. And don't we need more protein in menopause? I've been told to up my protein intake quite significantly. Yeah, absolutely. And also at that time of life as well, lots of things have happened to you. You've lived a bit and lots of us have gut issues. So our guts aren't functioning properly. And when you've got a gut imbalance and the microbiome isn't working, that affects the hair. You know, the hair cell is really sensitive. I always say when God made hair, he was having a bad hair day because he made it our crowning glory. He made it non-essential and he made it so complicated that most people don't understand it. Mm. And it couldn't have been more mean when he did it and that's what happens at menopause you're feeling unfeminine you're feeling bad you see young sort of fillies coming up and you look in the mirror and look and think god look at my wrinkles you're not in a good place mm. when your hair is starting to play up it's just like the icing on the cake and the other thing about hair loss issues is it's not how you look it doesn't matter how many people say to you it looks fine it's in here, it's inside, it's how you feel. It's how that hair makes you feel. I see people like Tracy all the time that are really in a desperate place. They're not doing the things they love to do because they don't feel their hair supports them. And I see people coming from GP surgeries being told, you know, you're 61, you've got to live with losing your hair. Count yourself lucky you've not got a hairy chin. That just isn't acceptable. There's not a helpful. lot we can do. Mm. And, and there's a lot that should be done. You know, good diet, good sleep, bit of exercise, that generally keeps the hair happy. But if you've got other things going on, so you've got other conditions or you develop a problem or you're on medications, they can affect the hair. But again, you can manage them. There's a lot that can be managed. And generally, you certainly don't need to stop going to the hairdressers. Unless you've had something done that's damaged the hair, there's no reason to stop going. And most hairdressers are quite empathetic. They can work really well with hair, even if it's really fine or if it's really coarse. And that's a feel-good factor. And that's what we all need more of is a feel-good factor. 
Absolutely. Can I ask Fiona, because you mentioned that the grey really stepped up when you had your youngest and it was thicker. Do you think that had anything to do with your pregnancy? Because I loved my pregnancy hair. Oh, God, yeah, it was amazing. Fabulous, wasn't it? I mean, is Fiona... Eva can maybe answer this, but did Fiona somehow get the pregnancy hair along with the grey and then never lost it? (laughs) (laughs) I find being pregnant at 41 in the third trimester really, really hard. Having had my other children in my 30s, um, Mm. I knew straight away when I entered that third trimester that that was going to be it because physically the toll on my body was hard because I had two other pregnancies to compare it to. But my hair was great. It was really thick started to go white so I got what I always think of as the Malin streak here started to develop but all the points we've all touched on here as I've got older and then turned now 55 so I'm well I hope coming out the other end of menopause what really annoys me is how women of our age feel often when we're not celebrities like you Sarah we feel like we're expected to fade into the background have nothing relevant to say we've got no experience we've got nothing to Mm -hmm. offer and people are really unkind And I'm not having it. We're speaking loosely about me being a celebrity. Let's say that for starters. It's best days are gone. But actually, I'm loving life more than I ever did before. But I feel really invisible, like more than I ever did before. And maybe that's part of the reason I dye it pink. There are some sectors. I mean, I don't know if Tracy and Eva will agree with me, but health and beauty... You know, if that's been your world and Mm. you suddenly feel some of that's been taken away from you through age whether it's you putting on weight or losing weight or losing volume in your face, for example. Or I worked in TV for a long time behind the scenes where women over 40 were considered irrelevant. And obsolete, totally. Absolutely. And I've seen it with friends who are well-known on screen. The battle they have, women in certain sectors when they get to a certain age. And I think it's wrong because like you, Sarah, in my 40s and 50s, I feel I'm in the best place I've ever been mentally. Mm. Mm-hmm. In, t- in terms of emotional intelligence as a human being and what I can offer. And I want the outside of me to reflect that as best I can. So I, I just think that women like us need to speak up. And I was going to say to you, Tracy, I don't live far from you. We should meet up and empower each other. We should. We will. I love this. Makes me feel like I've given birth. Giving birth to friendships for midlife women. Our hair goes through a host of natural changes. 50 to 70% of women suffer noticeable hair loss by the age of 65, caused by everything from stress to hormonal imbalances and age. The Beauty Works is here to hold your hand through it all by formulating the best products for topical application. Scalp care is essential to promote hair growth. That's why their products are clean, containing no harmful ingredients with mild and naturally derived ingredients to soothe the sensitive scalp. Hyaluronic acid is a crucial moisturizing ingredient to promote a healthy scalp for follicles to grow. This can be found in the Hyaluronic Acid Hair Treat. Their amino acid peptide serum provides the building blocks to help maintain hair strength and reduce hair breakage. Trending hair loss active ingredients include biotin, also known as vitamin B, to promote shiny and healthy looking hair. This can be found in the Biotin Vitamin B Pro Shampoo and Conditioner. Join the Beautyworks revolution by visiting thebeautyworks.co.uk or follow them on Instagram at thebeautyworks. That's the Beautyworks with an X. You know what you were saying about age? Well, I touched on it earlier to say that in lockdown, I could feel myself coming down and down and down and in August Mm -hmm. last year I was 59 
And on my 59th birthday, I was absolutely miserable because I just thought it's all over for me. My confidence is gone. It was still in and out of lockdowns. My wedding business was on, was off, was up, was down. Mm. Your government were telling me I didn't have a viable career. I should retrain and do something else. All these things were, what am I doing here then? What, what is my purpose? What am I useful for? And this was all coming from this place of losing confidence via my hair, then the age thing, then the menopause. And it all crashed at 59. And weirdly... I've kind of come back and I was 60 this August. It was the best birthday, but I'm so glad I dragged myself up from that with a bit of help Mm. from my daughter, a lot of help actually, who helped me see things from a completely different perspective. Basically, she started a campaign in the lockdown called Filter Drop that grew and went global. And And she was on the news, she was everywhere, on the news, in magazines, on the radio. And she was talking about why do people need filters? Why do cosmetic companies need filters to sell products. I was so sort of being the proud mum. All of a sudden, as her campaign evolved and it's now massive, I started listening to what she was saying instead of just watching her. And what she was saying was, make how you look be less important than what you are and stop being obsessed about what you look like. And I was somebody that could not walk past a mirror without crying, without closing in thinking, my God, it's worse than yesterday. But... You're gorgeous and you're clearly a wonderful person too. So I just needed you to know that. Don't ever walk past another mirror and cry. That was how I can describe being at absolute rock bottom. You know, looking at the mirror all the time thinking, Christ, where is my hair? I'm a bloody hairstylist. How is anyone going to look at me and think, you know, she can't even do her own hair? There was nothing to play with. I became obsessed. That combined with the not being able to go in Mm. front of the camera. Now I would do it. Because I've come through, I listened and thought, my daughter is actually making a lot of sense. Oh, my God, we need her to run for prime minister. Well, I'll tell you what, she's she's changed a lot of lives with her perception of the image. And I think that hair loss can be like body dysmorphia. Is that the word? Dysmorphia. I completely agree. Well, let's let's go back to Eva for that, because I'm sure that Eva will completely agree. Eva, you're a trichologist, but I bet you any money you feel like a therapist a lot of the time. I do. I feel very privileged because people trust me with their deepest, darkest secrets. They've not told anybody or they've not shared it with anybody. And they almost feel ashamed, which is so, so wrong. And when you've got any kind of hair or scalp issue, you become what we call very hair aware. And it it is a condition. You notice every hair that drops. You will deliberately take pictures of a bad parting to convince yourself you've got a bald spot. Mm. And it evolves into body dysmorphia. And the anxiety and the mental health side of things is really neglected. Hair is who you are. It defines you, you know. We can all talk about Farrah Fawcett or the Mohicans or, you know, Jennifer Aniston. We all know about lovely hair. And we've all got our own hair image. And if that gets taken away, it's a huge part of who you are. And in lockdown, I do a lot of work with young guys sort of under the age of 25 that really are desperate for hair transplant surgery, but are not in a place to have it. And I was really shocked. I've got a son who's 26. And I was seeing guys younger than him coming in on antidepressants. And I wrote to one GP and I said, if we tackle the root cause, which is the hair loss, which is completely achievable, we don't need to give this 19-year-old antidepressants. 
Mm. Because we can give him what he needs is his confidence with his hair. And that's how powerful hair is. It really does have a huge impact on your mental health well-being. And that's really why during lockdown, myself, the transplant clinic I work at, we were allowed to work because we'd got patients that mentally needed us. You know, mm. they were in the middle of a treatment plan and they put their faith in you and they want you to hold their hand and take them on that journey and look after them because they've never been able to express it before. And I just think it's so tragic that hair on the health service is all just badged as cosmetic. It really isn't cosmetic. It's fundamentally part of your identity. So when a patient comes to you, do you treat them with supplements or with tonics? How does one even begin to treat somebody who's suffering hair loss? The first thing is when you come to see a trichologist, you get 45 minutes to an hour as your appointment, as opposed to your sort of eight minutes with your GP. So Mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time finding out what it is you're seeing, feeling, telling me. Then I have a look and we put all the pieces together like doing a sort of detective puzzle and we work out what is it that's wrong with you, what's happening with you that we need to fix. And it can be a combination of many different things. For some people, it can just be diet. For some people, it can be diet and supplements. It can be a treatment shampoo if you've got a scalp issue. It can be a topical application if you've got male or female pattern. It can be a combination of all of them. And it's about getting the correct diagnosis, understanding what is wrong and knowing what works to treat it. And suddenly you get this success story. And unfortunately, what happens is the internet has got all of these snake oils on there that promise miracles. You know, you've got no hair today. You're going to wake up like the hair bear bunch tomorrow. And we're all so desperate for our hair that we're suckered into buying them. Nothing works. And and I see patients that are, I've tried everything. I think this is my last chance. Nothing is going to work. And when you say, well, this is actually what you've got, they're like, oh, It's a real condition. That's the first thing, you're recognising there's a problem. Secondly, you tell them what they can do and suddenly they're in control of the hair loss, not the hair loss in control of them. And that's really important. And it's about getting that accurate diagnosis and the right treatment. I saw a patient on Saturday. I last saw her in 2019 and she'd got an excessive hair shedding problem which we were treating. During lockdown, she'd had lots of stressful things happening, bereavements, um, lots of things. And she'd convinced herself she was going bald. So she'd gone to see a dermatologist. The dermatologist had told her she'd got a progressive scarring alopecia and she was going to lose all her hair. And she'd been sitting on this, not daring to discuss it with her husband because he said, you know, don't be so bloody vain. There's people dying everywhere and you're worried about your hair. She brought this picture in and said, that's what I'm going to end up like, Eva. You need to do something. And I said, calm down. Tell me what's been happening. Let's have a look. She didn't have the condition at all. And she'd spent six months in hell thinking she was going to lose her hair. And when I showed her the scalp microscope images and I explained and I took that time, suddenly the sobbing anger and angst turned to joy because she realised that she hadn't got a condition where she was going to lose all her hair. But she also had to accept she was in her 70s and she's never going to have hair like she had in her 40s. And it's all that balancing act of understanding somebody and knowing how to be empathetic I think sometimes people can be a bit bosh bosh, you know, oh yeah, you've got hair loss, just get on with it, crack on. 
it isn't that easy. You know, you've got to understand the person and help them. And sometimes we're not magic. We can't fix everything. But we know really great stylists. We know people that make fantastic cosmetic solutions. And all of that's part of my job to help people get the best they can get, whatever that might be. And sometimes we just have to have a little bit of compassion and kind of put yourself in their shoes and think, how would I feel if somebody was telling me that? What Mm -hmm. are the best words to use? And unfortunately... Some people just don't have the time to do that. And I always think to myself, if you were the one on the other side, you will probably be least able to cope. You can dish it out, but you wouldn't be able to take it. And so we are a bit like therapists, but we've got a brilliant network that we work with where we do have specialist people. There's a thing called psychodermatology and they're psychiatrists that specialize in the hair, skin and nails. And there are certain conditions like trichotillomania where you pull your hair out and it needs specialist psychiatry, not your standard CBT. It needs somebody that's going to really understand the cause and help you to manage it. But trying to get referrals in, you know, the waiting list is huge because hair just doesn't have a priority. So, yeah, you know, hair is so key to how you feel. You know, if you're having a bad hair day, you feel lousy. If you're having lots of them together and you're convinced you're losing it, imagine lousy 10 times magnified. Mm. And Fiona, when you went grey, and since you've been grey, and it does look rather marvellous, I might add, so I probably know the answer to this question, would you consider changing it now? I think what I'm asking is, I'm okay with changing my hair colour now, but I mentioned this on a different episode of Big Hairy Podcast because I didn't want to dye my hair blonde a few years ago because I thought that that would be the death of Sarah Kaywood. It was the one thing that I was always really defined by as a TV presenter. And I was like, when I get rid of the little redhead, once she's gone, then she's gone. And in the end, my vanity got the better of me and I really wanted to be blonde. And after that, I was like, who gives a shit if anybody remembers if I'm on the telly or not? That doesn't define who I am. I am Sarah Kaywood and being on the telly was a very small part of my life and I'm not going to be defined by it. But do you feel that you are defined by your white hair and, you know, that you won't deviate away from it at any given time or are you just at peace with it and you just think oh I like it I'll just leave it no I am I'm at peace with having grey hair and very white hair now but if I want to dye it because I feel like it on any given day that's what I'm going to do if I Mm. want it to be pink or blue I'm still the person I was when I was in my 20s I'm just living life in a slightly different way with more maturity. I'm very lucky to have hair at my age like mine. I really realise that. My best friend is 69 and she has very fine hair and I know it can really upset her. So I know how lucky I am, really grateful for that. But no, I'm not going to be defined by my hair or by my past jobs or anything like that. I'm just Mm going to be a powerful woman now with what I've got now and... I mean, I look at you, Sarah, and I think you look absolutely fab. I thought you were great on telly. I think you're great off telly. Thank you, babe. Um, Thanks, babe. (laughs) You know, we need more women on the telly presenting programmes from documentaries to sitcoms of our age. We can't Mm -hmm. be what we can't see. And also, they've got their middle-aged or mid-aged ladies. You've got the loose women. You've got Gloria Hunniford. It's like we broaden it out a bit. I mean, I suppose there's Zoe Ball and Sarah Cox as well, isn't it? But really, I just think, yeah, as many of us as possible... That said, you know, people have often said to me, would you go in the jungle or the castle as it is now? And I'm like, no, bloody wouldn't. I'm not eating shit to get famous again. Fuck off. And that's that. (laughs) (laughs) I shall sit host podcast with women like me, like you. (laughs) 
I'd much rather do that. Tracy, obviously you style hair. Is there anything that we should avoid doing? That Because I'm terrible to my hair. Like, this is all wanded. I bought one of those air wrap things because apparently it's kind of to your hair, but I don't like it. So I ended up going back to my trusty wand and I do set it on Carmen's and I do bleach it so I can get it this pink. Am I asking for trouble, Tracy? I think you've got to look after it, basically. It's been chemically processed and if it's lightened, it's had some degree of lightener or bleach, which makes it porous. And if you're not putting some sort of nourishment back into the hair, this is totally exterior. This is not, obviously Eva's talking about internally, but externally, if you use crap on it, I'm not saying you do, but your pink, which looks fabulous on you, by the way, would fade. It would fade because it's like a sponge. You put red or you put pink in. And if it's not in good condition, if you don't look after it, it's going to wash back out again. I see this a lot. I was talking to somebody the other day about it, one of my friends. Invariably, my brides all have long hair. Very, very few of them don't. And they don't even know how to wash it properly. They don't know that they should shampoo it twice. This is simple stuff. This is what I was trained to do. And they wonder why their hair feels shit and it tangles and it mats and it knots on the ends because they don't shampoo it properly. They don't know that you're supposed to towel dry it before you put a conditioner or a treatment on. They don't know the basic hair care situation. Tracy, I don't do any of those things either. I don't do either of those things. Did you not? No, I don't ever do those things. Sarah, we need to talk about this. I see my brides sometimes a year before their wedding and I'll say, you need to do this, you need to do that. You need to take your supplements, you need to drink water and you need to wash it twice and you need to just put the moisture back in that the environment takes out of it. Yeah. I use Olaplex, which I think is really good. And uh, and then I've got some sort of nourishment oil as well. So I'm not horrible to it. The only thing I was going to say was use a heat protector. Use a product that protects your hair from extreme heat. Yeah, you see, I don't do that either. <laughs> I'm terrible. And and I expect it to not fall out. I'm a dickhead. Um, Eva, can you talk to me about caffeine shampoo? Is is this one of the snake oil things? It is really. Shampoos are not really a good vehicle for delivering treatments. They're very transient. You put it on, you massage it through, you wash it off. They're not gonna give you any sort of sustained treatment. And the thing about caffeine is it is a stimulant. But the amount you need of it when you've done research in the lab, there's no way you could get it into a shampoo or absorb it. So it's a little bit of a myth. The things you need in a good shampoo and a good conditioner are you need gentle cleansers, or they're called surfactants. They're just the things that clean the hair. You don't want SLSs. You want things like TEAs or MEAs, and they're always at the top of the list. They're not so astringent on cleansing the hair. You want things that hydrate the hair. The hair is made of 10% water and it needs moisture internally and externally. And there's a really old fashioned ingredient called glycerin. And glycerin in any shampoo or conditioner will make your hair smooth. You want to lay off the silicones. You don't want too much synthetic silicone. You can't get it out of the hair. It's lovely when it first goes on, then it builds up and it goes dry and dull. You don't need to spend a fortune on it. And if you're looking for volume, the volumizing shampoos now are pretty good. You know, look for things like soy protein, wheat protein, hydrolyzed collagen, coconut oil, if you're going to use an oil. Coconut oil has got the molecules that are small enough to penetrate into the fiber of the hair, into the protein, to hydrate internally, but also to wrap around externally. And so it's, it's a question of sort of 
pushing the hype out of the way and, and looking at what you want. And, and most ladies of our sort of age usually say to me they want more volume. They want more sort of volume and density in the hair. And volumizing shampoos and conditioners are pretty good at that. But really, the things that offer treatments, unless it's a scalp treatment, that's different. If you've got a scalp problem, and so you've got flaking, itching, burning, creeping on the scalp, there are some really good ingredients out there. There are things like pyroctanolamine, cade oil, salicylic acid, ketoconazole. They're all in good treatment shampoos that are going to work on the scalp. Some of the formulations work very well on the scalp and are really naff on the hair. They make the hair really dry. And some of the formulations that are made by people that understand the scalp and the hair are really good. And we've all got, as trichologists, hero products we use for people with scalp problems so that their hair doesn't suffer. And Tracy mm-hmm. will have seen that. If people use certain treatment shampoos, their hair goes like straw. And then they give up and then the scalp's unbalanced and then the hair falls out again and you're mm-hmm. in this cycle. You just need to understand what's in the products. Yeah, it's fascinating. Fiona, what's your hair routine? Because you have the shortest hair out of all of us. Are you a wash and go kind of girl? Yeah, I wash my hair every other day. I don't do it every day because I'm conscious of the fact of, you know, my hair isn't as oily as it used to be. I always use shampoo twice. I've got an allergy to certain ingredients in shampoo, so I get like a patch of eczema on the back of my neck. So I have Mm -hmm. to really look at the ingredients. And it's one beginning with M that's really, 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 really long. That's all I can say. I know what it looks like, but don't ask me to say it. And I always use a conditioner. I don't use like heated rollers, but I've got teenage kids. So I know what they use. And I can assure you that basic knowledge Tracy was talking about how to look after your hair just isn't out there anymore. When I was a kid, I remember my mum putting vinegar on my hair and also sometimes beer or Guinness on my hair. I have no memory of why. And also, my mum did use to towel my hair dry before conditioning it. Yeah. She used to do that, yeah. remember? So I, I just occasionally, if I'm doing the whole face creamy thing, I'll put a treatment on my hair just so it feels nice. You know, when you've got the face cream and I'm led on the bed, the dog's on the end of the bed, I'm reading my book, I've shut the door so nobody can interrupt me for half an hour. That's part of my relaxation regime. doesn't happen often. Yeah. Tracy, have you found anything that does help? Because obviously with fine hair, very fine, thin hair, I have to be really careful. I don't buy stuff that drags it down. So have you found anything out there? Do you know what? I wish I'd have written a list because I do have things that I've found. One of them is a cream and I thought I can't use a cream on my hair. But you use a pea-shaped amount of cream and you do this. And you, obviously people can't see because we're talking. No, but we everyone knows that sound know exactly what you mean and that's it for me because i color my hair as well it actually really helps the ends and nothing i use now weighs it down so mm-hmm. the ironic thing is is i spent a day teaching yesterday and i taught seven students how to get volume in other people's hair and i was actually there at one point thinking no one does this for me <laughs> no one gets behind i know does- i i actually have taught myself to back comb that i know that evil probably be like oh back combing but every now and then like just on the crown just for a do yeah. you know that so that you've got that you can't nobody can see this this is great podcasting isn't it well the girls yeah can we're see all doing can't. demonstrations um, and i wish we do yeah we're all like a <laughs> bit, bit of bit of volume at crown and either i wash mine twice a week now because it used to get greasy and also i used to smoke i know disgusting 
disgusting. But I did. I used to smoke and so I would wash it every day because it smelled of smoke. And now I don't smoke. I, I've gone in and out of smoking but quit properly for good over a year ago. But yeah, so now twice a week I wash it and that's why the colour holds so much better. Do I get a gold star? Yes, you do. Well done on the stopping smoking. That's amazing. Um, I know, well, that must damage your hair. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of oxidative stress from smoking. If you've got grey hair particularly, quite often it can take on that sort of yellowy tinge. Yes. Oh, it's grim. It is quite grim. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's not good for you generally, but it's also not good for the hair. And it's the, one of the things we take into consideration when we're talking to guys about hair transplant is how many cigarettes a day they smoke. Mm. I thought, this is probably very naive of me, I thought that that tobacco staining on hair, I thought it was from the exhaling, and it, but it actually comes from the inside as it grows through. Yeah, you get both. You get the, the outside atmosphere and you get the internal oxidative stress as well. But hair washing, as trichologists, we advise generally every day, every other day, However, mm-hmm. there are people that have very balanced scalps, very nice hair, and they can go every three, four days, and they are fine. It's about understanding your hair and scalp. If you're very mm-hmm. sebaceous, very oily, you need to do it more. If you're very flaky, you need to do it more. I always say, none of us would consider not washing our face every day, yet we think it's fine not to wash our scalp, which is made of exactly the same skin as our face. And when I put my trichoscope, which is like a scalp microscope on, and I show mm-hmm. people the images, they'll say, what's that? And I say, oh, that's some dirt, or that's some skin cells. And they're like, oh my God, I never knew that sat on your head. You know, it's what works for you. And your hair texture does change, and your sebaceous, your oil production changes as well. And you have to change your routine to go with that. But, you know, it's all about keeping the scalp balanced because the scalp's where the hair grows from. And if the scalp isn't balanced, the hair won't be happy. We're going to have to wrap it up in just a minute, but there's one thing that I really want to touch on. And again, sorry, we're plundering Eva here. Sorry, ladies. (laughs) I've ever been plundered before. You have definitely been plundered today. But what about the I don't wash my hair camp itself cleans? Where do we stand on that? Tracy is horrified. Fiona is horrified. We are horrified. For a starter, it starts getting itchy and people go, oh, if you get past that stage, it starts... I'm calling bullshit on hair cleaning itself. It is absolute bunkum. If you think about your scalp, we have these things called sebaceous glands all over the body and they produce this waxy substance called sebum which protects the skin predominantly. We have the largest concentration of them on the scalp and we also have sweat glands. So not only have we got oil pouring out, we've got sweat pouring out, it makes it very sticky. We have a natural yeast that lives on the hair and quite often when you've got itching, flaking, redness, it's the yeast that's overproducing and it does not self-clean. The scalp doesn't self-clean, the hair doesn't self-clean. You need to clean it. Tracy is literally horrified. She's like grim. I have to tell you this. This was several weeks ago. I did a bridesmaid at a wedding and my bridesmaids and brides, they get given a warning, basically give me really, really clean hair or I can't do my job. But one of the bridesmaids had not washed her hair for eight and a half years. And I was absolutely mortified because I just thought, what can I do? And it was just the worst thing I've ever had to do was to work on that hair. I have to say, yeah, when I did Celebrity Scissorhands years ago, I remember she was really lovely, this girl that came in. We were celebrities cutting hair for children in need. I don't know if any of you guys remember it. I washed her hair and she was no 
be slightly laissez-faire about her personal hygiene, and that's fine, except I had to bloody wash her hair. And as the water came off it, it smelled of dirty hair, and I knew there were all cameras on me all over this, like, fake hair studio, and I was, like, trying not to gip. I could just smell it. You know, that smell... I mean, even thinking about oh. it now grosses me out. It's like when you find a hair in your food. I can still smell Ugh. it. Yeah, I mean, like you, you can still smell her hair, can't you? That smell, it lingers. On that cheery note... <laughs> I want to ask you all just to tell us where we can consume you on social media because we all want to know how to consume you wonderful expert people and also fabulous fillies. So Eva, you first. Where can we find you on the social media channels? So you can find me on Instagram, Eva Pragman MIT. I do lots of sort of facts and figures and trying to be helpful and some little videos and things. And I do answer lots and lots of questions. I get loads of people asking me questions and I always go back and answer them. So do contact me on Instagram. Oh, you're a good egg. What about you, Tracy? So I am on Facebook as Tracy Polari and I am on Instagram as Tracy Polari H-M-U-A, which stands for Hair and Makeup Artist. And yeah, you'll find everything you need to know about me on there. Lovely. And Lady Scott? You can find me on Twitter at the Fiona Scott, or you can find me on Facebook. I've got a group called Fiona Scott's PR Tribe, where I share lots of lovely stuff. Oh, that sounds fun. I love a PR as well. I mean, some of my best friends are fabulous people. So thank you very much, ladies. Honestly, it's been a proper education. I feel better. I hope we've made you all feel better. Tracy. thank you again for sharing your vulnerability with us. It does mean an awful lot and it it is difficult. And can I just say, your hair looks lovely. And I can't believe that you're 60. You look about 45. I agree. (laughs) Doesn't she? Thank you, ladies, for being on the Big Hairy Podcast. Now let's get this show on the road. The Big Hairy Podcast is brought to you by The Beauty Works, an innovative and affordable hair, skin and cosmetics brand, which is dedicated to clean beauty and high performance. All of their products are 90 to 95% natural and vegan wherever possible, using quality, ethically sourced ingredients in advanced formulations for people who care about their health as well as the planet. In keeping with the BeautyWorks Clean Beauty Statement, the products contain no harsh chemicals or toxic ingredients, are free from parabens, dyes, petrochemicals and phthalates, and are not tested on animals. Join the BeautyWorks revolution and love the skin you live in by visiting thebeautyworks.co.uk or follow them on Instagram at thebeautyworks. That's beautyworks with an X. Thank you for listening to the Big Hairy Podcast. I'll see you in the next episode.